You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, it's myself, Colin Kelly, here bringing you the show. Hopefully, since we talked last, uh, you've been having a, a good week. And usually, uh, when we talk, it has been quite a gap between the shows. But now, we're trying to keep it going for two shows uh, each week in the season. Maybe a few more if we can get some news topics going. But uh, as always, thanks for downloading the show. Uh, hopefully, you're a long-time listener. If you're a new listener, do hit that subscribe button on itunes stitcher tune in whatever you listen to it on of course please do give us a written and a comment on there as well helps move us up the rankings um on today's show i talked on the last show about fan feud and uh, i've been saying about the partnership we're going to have an oti fantasy fives competition going each week during the season and you can play for cash or for free but on today's show it's gonna be one of the i guess he's been a, he's been involved in overtime ireland for a long long time and he's part of the the crew there at fan feud he's gonna be joining us now on the show and i'm delighted to say it's uh donica brennan donica hope you're keeping well and uh, thanks for coming along onto the show I'm fine. Thanks a million, Colin, for having me on. It's, uh, it's great to be on. Uh, I've been a long-time listener. And as you said, I've been involved with yourselves for a while with the, in terms of writing for yourselves and, and so on. But um, I've, uh, no, it's, it's great to be on as a guest. I'm looking forward to I'm, I'm joining in a Steam's list of guests and listen, to, <laughs> listen every week. And uh, no, you're doing a great job. It's, it's uh it's good to have on guys that are involved with overtime ireland you're involved in our dynasty league as well and it's a lot of fun having oh, no, well, i'm sorry i have to correct you on one thing i'm not involved in your dynasty league i'm <laughs> the champion of your dynasty league <laughs> well uh, i wasn't going to bring that up unfortunately donica jumped in there and i'm sure all the the listeners there there's many of them throughout ireland there's some of them as well hopefully listening stateside and i'm sure you figure out that donica is another man here on the emerald isle um and he he has a strong galway accent so uh it's good to get a, a different Irish uh, twang on it. We've had a few guys on from around the country, and hopefully everyone can understand us loud and clear as we talk. And Donick, as well, is a, a Green Bay Packers fan like myself, so hopefully the show doesn't turn into a, a Packers love fest, or maybe with the Jordy Nelson news it'll turn into a, maybe some sort of a, a sad occasion. But um, we'll leave the Packers just for a little moment. We're starting off the show. I mentioned the, the whole thing about Fan Feud and FanFeud.co.uk. Donica, you're involved with them. Uh, you've kind of been the key to setting this uh, OTA Fantasy Fives up. Do you want to give it a, a quick rundown as to, to how it's going to go this season? Yeah, sure thing. Um, well, we're abs- we're delighted. It's um, it's a great opportunity. We we basically fan feud. We we run weekly games on Premier League fantasy games. Um, essentially, it's a very simple game. Um, it's essentially you, you, every matchup. So you have two teams, and you can select any five players from either team or from the same team, whatever you want. No restriction on position or anything at all. Um, we run them literally every single Premier League game. We're also we run games for Leinster GA, Munster GA. Um, over in the Premier League, we run um, a game specifically for West Bromwich Albion and for Chesterfield FC. And we're always kind of expanding and looking to expand um, our number of clients that we work with. Um, the beauty of our game is that it's um, it's very easy to adapt between different sports. Um, as you said, we have the Gaelic games. We also have the football games. And now in Overtime Ireland, we're delighted we're going to have the NFL game. Um, exact same format. You will have a game of the week, an OTI Fantasy Fives game of the week, um, which you guys will be talking about. And we'll um, <laughs> we're going to basically have we're going to have the opportunity. Then all the um, people can log in. They can play for free. 
they can play for just basically putting their three pound in the pot and then play for the cash pot. Um, essentially, it's literally just pick five players from whatever the game of the week is. You can be, you can pick both quarterbacks, you can pick the running backs, you can pick players from any position, um, and essentially they score points for you. And the most person with the most points at the end of the game wins the pot. Um, you, as I said, you can either play for free and just have the fun, basically, of competing against you OTI guys. Um, or else you can pay for the money, and you can. It's it's a good it's a good it's a good fun game, and the beauty of it is its simplicity. Um, you know, it's not it's not where you have to have a huge amount of knowledge about fantasy football or NFL fantasy football. It's literally just kind of um, just just a fun game that anybody can play. Yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously it's going to be a lot of fun this season being involved. And you mentioned there as well for the Premier League and all the other opportunities that are av- available at FanFeud. And there is a lot of stuff going on. You have expanded a lot. So the NFL is another good opportunity to, to grow it. We're delighted to be part of it. Hopefully there'll be a lot of people interested. I did tweet it out earlier today. And, of course, the website is fanfeud.co.uk. And we, we our game isn't actually set up to run yet, but we are going to be going for the first week of the season. It is going to be likely at the moment that Patriots uh, Patriots versus Steelers game opening the season. So maybe uh, we're waiting on the Tom Brady news to fall on that one. Maybe Tom will somehow get back into that, depending on how the judge rules in it. But at this present moment, he isn't available. There's a lot of players in that game currently suspended. So there'll be a, lot, a little bit of trickiness to trying to set up your lineup. But I mentioned Tom Brady there. Uh, the trial is still going on at the moment in the NFL news, of course. Uh, no settlement reached was the latest uh, from the judge and he's expecting a decision shortly it seems to be that possibly Friday is going to be the, the decision for this one I, I thought at the very start and I've said it many times in the show I thought that it should have been a, a two game suspension I thought the four was very harsh I thought it would have been reduced to two didn't get reduced by Roger Goodell now it's in the court system it's been very messy it's dragged on quite some time uh, Donna, Donica as a Packers fan uh, been involved in the NFC rather than the AFC the only time we're really going to have to face them as if we get to the the Super Bowl. Um, were you surprised, firstly, all the way back to the the length of the suspension, and now uh, with the judges ruling coming very shortly, uh, what do you expect to happen here? I was surprised with the the initial the initial um, suspension, the four game suspension. I was surprised when I heard about it. I mean, it was a. Uh, it it just seemed excessive. It was you know you're used to these four game bans for um for 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 instance um we'll go on to that later no doubt Martavis Bryant or the likes of Liam Le'Veon Bell for for different things that they've done in terms of um whether it's PEDs or um, recreational drugs um the, this thing here it seemed like if you like it just seemed like a, a little bit of a trivial. Um, offense, but I think that the main reason why I suppose they came down is because this is kind of um, it's kind of a cumulative um, penalty based on the, pe- the the Patriots' history of being involved in um, slightly, shall we say, dubious um, um, behavior. Um, I think it's it, it. I was surprised that it wasn't reduced because I thought it was an easy thing for them to give them a slap on the wrist, the four game, um, the four game suspension, the massive fine, and then I thought with the appeal, I was fully expecting it to to get reduced down radically, and uh, you know, for there to be some way. Because I mean, at, at the end of the day, to, to me, and I know, I know, um, DJ is the the rabid uh, <laughs> patriot. Fan. And I know he was. I know he's. Um, he's the the Patriots fans are are regarding a bit of conspiracy. Yeah, and it's like um, that. It's the other teams are all ganging up on the Patriots, but um, the at the end of the day, it just it just seems to me like it's such a, a 
it uh, an easy thing for them to have to have sorted out. The NFL seems to be keep on getting themselves into a hot mess over stuff that they really shouldn't be um, um, associating their their brand with. The, the the news cycle is full of talking about a football being underinflated or overinflated or whatever infla- whatever the air pressure is. It sounds like a very trivial thing for people to be talking about in terms of the NFL. But um, I know part of the thing with the NFL is they're they're always happy if their name is in the news cycle, and um, it seems 365 days a year it's um, it's in yeah. the it's in the news cycle, I guess. Yeah, it certainly has been, and you know they're always at the forefront of attention. But maybe with things like the Ray Rice situation, Adrian Peterson, there was a lot of bad publicity for that. Maybe they thought in this situation they were going to go with a, a harder penalty rather than the you know take it lenient and then be mm. saying they're too soft. But in this here situation, it's not quite as serious off the field as them other two. And I suppose then they're saying about taking the, the integrity of the game uh, into disrepute. But I just think uh, it's been a, a mess all along, been handled very poorly all the way from the start, from that first Chris Martinson report that was released by ESPN linked to them, uh, I would have to imagine, by the NFL. So it's been kind mm-hmm. of a smear campaign as well. And the thanks It's just very messy. As you're saying, as you're saying, it's like they're, they're dealing with um, one of the game's biggest players and it's um and one of the one of the game's biggest teams it's like um i i understand them going giving them just saying listen enough is enough but i and maybe they did maybe for all we know perhaps perhaps what happened was that they were they'd given them warnings beforehand or you know subtly tried to get a message through to them listen you can't do any more cheating but uh but it, you, you can't imagine that there has to have been some there's just as you said mismanagement it seems to be the case that they that they just literally are making rules up as they go along and they just don't seem to be able to manage any kind of situation um efficiently like a, like the organization that they are the massive organization they are and thankfully now we're nearly at the kind of the end zone of this uh, whole debate but a lot of mm-hmm. Patriots fans have said to me since uh, you know people talk about the deflated footballs the Patriots doing so well because of it well in the Super Bowl uh, the, the the footballs can't be kind of used or changed in any way by the, the New England Patriots and Tom Brady led one of the best fourth quarter comebacks in NFL history in the, the biggest game of the season so I suppose they're still using that to, to have as a, a kind of a counter argument to it but um, I suppose, you know, I've said lots and lots on this show, I wouldn't talk too much more about it. Hopefully by the time the next show comes out, uh, the decision will have been made and that'll finally put a bow on the whole deflate gate scenario. Only nine days from now that we're recording this here on Tuesday evening, only nine days from now to that kickoff game uh, in New England. So at least we'll be getting back to the real football soon and looking forward to that. A lot of players now at this time of the season, uh, the, the cuts are coming in, people getting released from their roster spots. To cut them down, they're cutting them down now to 85. It's going to eventually end up at uh, 53 spots on each roster around the National Football League. And First of the big names to be uh, the surprise conclusion was that Fred Jackson was released by the Buffalo Bills. That was the kind of the first big one to come down. and He has uh, since uh, had, a, had a visit with the Seattle Seahawks by all sounds. It sounds like a deal as expected there. He used to play with Marshawn Lynch up in Buffalo, so they're reuniting by the looks of things in Seattle. And strange that they had to get released by the Bills and then go to one of the real, real contenders for the Super Bowl. Were you surprised at the Jackson release? I was. I was. Um, I was surprised because I thought he. Um, I mean, Fred Jackson is such a reliable, and um, by all accounts, he's a. Uh, he's 
he's a good pro and a good guy to have on the roster. Um, the um, behind Le- behind Sean McCoy, I thought that they'd um, he would be an ideal backup, and I think he'll be an ideal backup in Seattle as well. It um, it doesn't bode well, I guess, for the um, the future in Seattle of uh, of um, uh, Turban Robert Turban and uh, and Christine Michael. Um, the darling of fantasy, <laughs> of dynasty fantasy players for a long time. Yeah. But uh, he's um, the it, it doesn't bode well for them now. I know Robert Turbin apparently was um, there's some sort of a reports of a, a high ankle sprain was it, um, yeah. that uh, and he looks like that's probably the kind of mo- the the issue that's precipitated this um, this move. But Fred Jackson would be an ideal. I mean, he's an ideal backup to Marshawn uh, <laughs> Lynch. The two guys apparently are great friends um, from their time in Buffalo. And um, Marshawn Lynch, even he describes uh, Fred Jackson as his big brother. Apparently, but they they, they kind of they, they should they should work very well. And again, to see as you said there, that it's kind of strange that they that the Buffalo Bills are leaving him go, and he's going to a team that surely didn't really need to get a whole lot stronger. Yeah, when you look at the 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 situation here, I think it's just a lot maybe more for the backups. You mentioned a possible injury to to the backups and. Seattle but when you're looking at uh, you know the likes of Turbin the likes of Christine Michael it's not really saying a lot for what the, the Seahawks really think of them long term when they're taking in Fred Jackson a man who is no doubtably uh, older uh, probably in the last year or two of his career but um, they, it says a lot for them depends on the guaranteed money and the money overall in Fred Jackson's contract as to what is it going to be a one year deal which it probably will be but if it's longer term maybe two years it doesn't spell much out for those in the backfield and we talked before we started recording about uh, uh, up in Buffalo, Carlos Williams is a player who I've been keeping a close eye on over the last uh, few weeks and months. He's a, a rookie this season for the Bills, and he started off uh, fourth or fifth on the depth chart, and he's really pushed himself up. So maybe it's a case of releasing him. They have real uh, high hopes for him because a man in Lashawn McCoy is a player who often throughout his career has had issues, and he's had hamstring issues again this preseason. So as well, letting him go, maybe they don't think that there's any doubt for his status for Week One. They're they're obviously confident there because. Fred Jackson is a, a keen backup. You know, he's definitely a player that, whether you're starting him or not, he's definitely a player who uh, can get you yards in, in the difficult situations when you need somebody to step up. So I was surprised mm-hmm. at that, and it's definitely going to help up in Seattle. Another player that was released uh, from the, the Chicago Bears, the Packers' longtime rivals, uh, Peanut Tillman, Charles Tillman, was released by them. This is one that I thought, just because of his age, was. Uh, maybe might have been coming and he said that the team handled it with great uh, respect to him let him know they were just kind of going with youth but uh, I thought it could have been the end of the road for him in his career but as well he has uh, a meeting schedule with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who we had on one of their cornerbacks last week on the show in Alteron Werner but they're looking for a bit of depth there at the position as well so Charles Tillman released by the Bears looks like he's going to have a shot uh, at getting a deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers we'll see we'll see how that all goes down and the other guy that uh, I, I put down here is a notable release is another guy who came into the league in 2012 a lot of people had high hopes for him thought he could have been the next Adrian Peterson and it just hasn't worked out for him started off the Cleveland Browns as Trent Richardson drafted very high in that 2012 draft and then he's uh had his uh, situations around the league, had a, an okay rookie season, but was kind of padded with touchdowns. A lot of people still fancied him in fantasy football, and uh, he went very high in fantasy drafts in 2013, I think, one of the leagues I was in, taking around the, the second or third pick. So T. Ritz, though, no longer with the, the Oakland Raiders. He, he's been cut by them. And this could be the end of the road for him, I'm guessing, uh, you know, around the NFL, he's 25 years old. Do you think Trent Richardson will get another opportunity, or do you think this is the end of the road for him? Um, 
I I think that his I think I think to be honest with you, it probably is the end of the road. If you're getting if you're getting cut by the Oakland Raiders, you're no disrespect to them because they're a, such a historically fantastic and histor- um, significant franchise. But um, if you're getting if you're getting um, dropped by them at this point at this point of the cuts, then it really doesn't say much for your um, for your future in the league. I think his main um, it's it, like he came into the league with such fanfare. I mean, I uh, you know the t- talk this year has all been about um, you know the the next Adrian Peterson and that being um, Todd Gurley. <laughs> yeah. But um, this like I remember when he came into the league and there was such fanfare and you know when the Browns took him with the I think it was the fourth overall pick. Um, he you know and he was supposed to be one of these real difference maker once in a generation kind of a back, and um, he just doesn't seem to have he doesn't seem to be able to. Um, he doesn't seem to be able to make it in the in the league. He doesn't seem to be able to pick. Um, he doesn't seem to the patience behind the line. He doesn't seem to be able to see the gaps like he used to when he was in college. Um, but um, I think it, I think yeah, it probably might we might well see him um, as one of these kind of backs that will be picked up at some stage for um, if when injuries happen. But um, I think his days as as being any kind of a significant player in the league are are unfortunately over. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly it all fell apart for him again. I mentioned he is only 25 years old. He he always struck me as a player who maybe when he got to the NFL, he just didn't have that desire. You have to want to play the game, and you, there's a lot of effort put in behind the scenes, whether it's studying tape, whether it's just in practice and that in general. And I always thought he was a player that maybe he just didn't have that strong desire to play the game, and he was just happy enough to, to go as he is. But in a typical Oakland Raiders move at the time when they took him in, you know, he was given 600000 guaranteed, so not a bad summer's work there for Trent Richardson. At least he'll have that uh, to keep him ticking over for the, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Until it's a nice summer job. I mean, we've probably worked in news agents or that kind of thing, you know, for as a summer job. And he's, he's six hundred grand for a couple of months' work isn't bad. Isn't bad earnings, all right? No, it's um, as, as you say there, um, Colin, with the uh, with you know the difference between the making it and the pros is a lot of it to do with your uh, yeah, a lot side of it. Yeah, it's the, it's the work ethic and stuff like that. I mean, the even the talking um, the, with Matt Ca- is it not Matt Castle? What's the name of the other um, New England Patriots um, QB QB or X? Um, uh, Ryan Mallet. Ryan Mallet and it, like his scenario with like sleeping in That's and just yeah, it just like it, when people do that, as you know, people might find it harsh that these players are just you know cut. They're just you know, saying, "Hang on a minute, everyone can sleep in. It's a human. It's a human mistake. It's a, it's some." But the reality is, at this level, they, you can't do that. You you have to be expected to be to be putting in the effort. It's not a talent isn't enough for these guys to make it. They uh, they really have to be able to put in, willing to put in the work and you know to learn. Um, their their brute their raw talent got them through probably like in college or high school and that kind of thing. But the reality is, a lot of the people that succeed in in any walk of life is you have to be willing to put in the work. And uh, just uh, for any Chicago Bears fans listening that might have had a <laughs> surprise, there, yeah. it was uh, I got a I got an instant message here from Donica to, to remind me that it wasn't uh, Charles Tillman that was released; it was Tim Jennings. So. Got that one mixed up. The cornerbacks. I got my cornerbacks mixed up for the the Bears, and um, we we'd be putting in a waiver request for the Packers to pick up uh, Pino Tillman. I think. Yeah, yeah. So I had it written down here, rushing the notes before we started the show. Wrote down the wrong name. So apologies there to any Bears fans who have been violently checked. I've often I've often mixed the two of them guys up. Anyway, um, in names now, the, and because both of them were top quality. Uh, 
uh, defensive backs. But I, uh, I, I always actually had a little bit of a kind of you know a, a meld between the two of them. So when you see the two of them in the same uh, yeah. in the same backfield, you'd, uh, you'd you associate the two of them. So it's an easy mistake. Yeah. So so any of the the Bears fans who have been frantically searching through Twitter there for updates uh, on Peanut Tillman, I apologise for that. There, uh, it's amazing when you look at that there draft class with T- Trent Richardson, Andrew Luck, obviously stands head and shoulders above everyone in that class but when you look at the other candidates taken in the top five you have rg3 you have trent richardson and you have uh, justin blackman and when you look at they all come in in the rookie season all right uh, justin blackman had his issues off the field already at that stage he had a dui to his name that off season but like he came in and he had a couple of phenomenal games as a rookie almost like a, a josh garden like talent where put up huge numbers uh, in games but uh, unfortunately off the field again you talk about the, the commitment to the game just doesn't seem to want to play the game at that level but then RG3 had his injury and Trent Richardson you know he was traded away uh, to the, the Colts from the Browns and everything that went on with that whole situation it's amazing out of that uh, top five there was so much promise at the start for them three players but uh, even with RG3 now we're going to talk about it next and and the, and the QB carousel, he has been, you know, he's the second choice or maybe even the third choice now in Washington. Uh, Kirk Cousins named the starter there. So that class, there's been a, a real uh, downturn in fortunes for them since that time in 2012. Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, um, it's, it's rare to actually see that many um, busts. I hate to call them busts at this point when they're, they've only been in the league for a few years. But... It's um well as in the case of Justin Blackman, I probably is fair to say that he um that he won't be making a he won't be making any kind of return to. No, to, I can't see it happening. But, but um, because apparently the the reports of him, you know, the shape he's in or the kind of condition he's in, it's not that he's actually knocking on the door continuously to be kind of reinstated. Yeah. Um, the the RG three situation is um, it's such a strange one. I mean, as you say there, and um, he was the offensive rookie of the year the year when Andrew Luck came in. Yeah. Um, and like there was a lot of like on like justified discussion about whether or not he should have been the number one pick and after the rookie season there was still talk about whether he should have been the number one pick now i know indianapolis colts fans won't um won't probably would say that they never were there were in doubt but um his his mobility was it was something else he was he was the oh, box office he, he was he was a box office every single time he touched the ball you didn't know what he was going to do um, but unfortunately, I suppose that um, that um, that that t- style of play it's it doesn't lend itself to a long career in the NFL. Um, he's he, with the injuries, he just doesn't look like the same player. And and also, then there's been questions about whether or not he really has the work ethic to um, to push himself through that um, through the difficulties having. But um, when we're talking about Trent Richardson in terms of his career and whether he'll, I'd love to see. I'd love to see um, RG three um, when he gets and he will get a second chance um, outside of Washington somewhere. I would love to see him. I'd love to see him return to even ninety percent of his of his rookie year because um, the NFL really needs that kind of talent. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully he'll uh, he'll he'll catch on at a team where he'll have an opportunity to have some success. Yeah, I, I don't own many NFL jerseys that aren't uh, Green Bay Packers jerseys, but after that uh, rookie season, has I did actually buy an RG three Washington Redskins jersey, so maybe that was where the maybe that's where it all fell apart for RG three. I know. Well, I actually only bought a Jordan Nelson uh, jersey this off season, so oh, I'm kind of I'm trying I'm trying to keep my head down. To I think I might be responsible for the. <laughs> for the injury but i'm not sure maybe maybe rg3 he'll back up um a rod in uh in green bay 
maybe uh, all Irish people, uh, maybe we stop by in uh, NFL jerseys before we get all the superstars knocked out of the league. Maybe there's a, a curse of Irish people buying the jerseys. But the man that's going to be starting there now is Kirk Cousins. He was drafted the same year as RG3, and a lot of people thought that when he was drafted, he was going to be drafted as kind of trade bait to, to try and keep RG3 as the starter. And then because they had traded away those picks to the, the, the St. Louis Rams, Try to get you know some compensation back to kind of get the get the roster filtered through and add some more draft picks, but it has happened in a completely different way. And Kirk Cousins now has is the starter. He got a chance to play for RG three when he was injured, and then he had a chance last season when RG three got injured again or was playing poor. And um, I I'm not if I was a Redskins fan, I wouldn't be overly confident going into this season. I think he's a a player who in relief duty can give you success for a certain amount of time, but then when defences start to scheme for him, start to plan for his play, uh, I think every time we've seen him play a a, a kind of consecutive games, he's turned into a turnover machine. Uh, Kirk Cousins, would you feel the same way? Do you think it's, you know, it's not really going to be outstanding for for the Redskins either way? Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think that it's gonna uh, he's gonna do anything really for them to be honest with you. He's, I mean, as you said, I think on a good team with um, with a great O line and with with quality receiving options, um, he's probably the kind of player who um, who can who can manage um, who can manage a team. The dreaded game manager term, but yeah. he like he possibly could do that. But I just think this Washington Redskins team isn't it's it's just not it's it, it's not good enough to sustain that kind of a quarterback um i think he's uh i think he'll he'll find himself as you said there in a lot of interceptions and kind of in a lot of trouble during the season but um the, the Kirk cousins when he when he was drafted by them as you said it was kind of everyone regarded as being that it was just one of these trade bait situations um i think that the team described it as they they had him rated as a kind of a, a top two round talent and when he dropped when he dropped to them they thought listen he's just too much too good to give up uh, or too too good to pass up on um but uh, i i think he as an nfl quarterback i don't think he's going to do anything like carry the team i think he'll uh, he'd need a lot better team than the washington the current washington redskins roster in order to uh to sustain now he does have good wide receivers he does like with um with Garcon and Deshaun Jackson, he yeah. like he has he has good options, um, but I just I just don't think he has um, I don't think he's going to be a success. Sadly for Redskins fans. Yeah, and uh, a quarterback though that has been drawing some rave reviews this off season. I talked earlier about Carlos Williams getting an opportunity in the backfield for the the Buffalo Bills. Their starting quarterback. There had been a trio there: Matt Castle, uh, EJ Manuel, and Tyrod Taylor going for that starters job. But Tyrod Taylor's now been named the starter for the upcoming season. Well, he'll start in week one anyway. But he's kind of don't want to put him down as an RG three style quarterback. But he's a dual threat quarterback. He's got I think it's four four speed uh, and the forty yard dash. So he is quick. He's got a, a strong arm as well. But the the issue is going to be whether he can continue. He's been very accurate in the preseason, but then again when defences start to scheme that's when the situation with a lot of these quarterbacks can't take it to the next level when defences start to scheme for exactly what they're going to do we've seen that with people like Colin Kaepernick and and other quarterbacks in the league so that's going to be the interesting step here for Tyrod Taylor but he is the starting quarterback I've watched him quite a bit in preseason and he has looked good but in preseason as well I have to say that I was kind of impressed with what EJ Manuel was doing too for them so 
EJ Manuel came in a couple of years ago in the same draft as Geno Smith, and now Geno's out with a broken jaw, and EJ Manuel's not going to be starting at the start of this season. But Tyrod Taylor, have you seen any of him in preseason? And overall, have you uh, been impressed? I've been surprised. He sat behind Joe Flacco uh, in the Baltimore Ravens uh, quarterback room for, for quite some time since he came into the league. But again, sometimes when the players come in and they sit, rather than just get thrown into the action straight away, they get that opportunity to develop behind a uh, you know, a veteran quarterback and, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers had that situation. Maybe maybe it'll help Tyrod in the long run. Yeah, no, um, I think that Tyrod came in and he was, uh, his, the, the view on him was that he was, um, as you said, inaccurate, but extremely mobile. Yeah. Um, and I know his, uh, as you said, his his um, his 40 yard speed is, is, is phenomenal. It's right up there, like with, you know, what you're talking 4-4, four, four, you're literally talking the, like the elite of the, of the wide receivers. He he has that kind of um, athleticism. His um his main problem was accuracy and um, but as you said there, I mean, and we mentioned EJ Manuel in the same in the same breath. EJ Manuel, I think they'd probably um he probably justified getting a starter role if it was a true um, quarterback competition um over the in the preseason. But um but I think they just made their they've made up their mind to pass on on EJ Manuel and I understand that he hasn't done anything but it's it's just a very unfair situation they have nowadays in the league in terms of quarterbacks just seem to be kind of thrown in at the deep end and they'll either sink or swim. Um, I mean EJ Manuel the kind of skills he has he if he had sat if he sat as Aaron Rodgers as you said now I'm not comparing the two talents because. Yeah. I think um, I think um, Rogers had a lot more going for him basically when he was coming out of college, but I think that the uh, the, the the idea that they, these guys if they can if they could just sit behind as you said a quality NFL quarterback, watch him in meetings, watch him in the the prep room, watch him basically watch watch what he does and learn from him. Um, I think they have an opportunity. There's a lot of quarterbacks that probably think and EJ Manuel could be a kind of poster child for it, who. If they just were put into a quality, um, a quality organization, and were able to sit behind a quality starter for two, three years, um, they could become good NFL starters. But the problem is, these guys—they're just—they're thrown in, they're destroyed then by putting in, you know, the by by put behind ridiculous like O lines, and they're just and then interceptions—they just destroy them. Um, it doesn't really make much sense since they've, they've invested so much capital, you know, first round picks in them. But uh, for the same reason, first round pick means nowadays that you have to start week one, um, pretty much start week one. Even the Jaguars, um, yeah, last remember, year. you know, they were saying, oh, no, no, they're not going to start. They're not going to start um, Bortles. But I knew they're saying that. Yeah, they're saying that. But wait till wait till the stand, the the veteran reliable Joe that you've got in in your starting quarterback role. Wait till he throws a few interceptions. The crowd is shouting for the rookie to be sent on, and sure enough, there he is. And he now Bortles could well survive, and he could well make it. But um, it's just it's a very very strange development um role or system that the NFL has at the moment it, it, where. I think a lot of quality quality potential starters are actually being lost to the game or being destroyed before they've really had a chance to um, to to play. Yeah, I've seen where uh, Peyton Man Peyton Manning and Eli Manning have come out in the last kind of week or so and said that when uh, a quarterback comes into the league, they think it's best to go in the kind of role that they had, where you're throwing in at the deep end and you learn. Yeah, they're sink or swim, and I guess that's true in a way. You either kind of have it or you don't in a way. But if the, you have that opportunity, I think you I mean um, isn't that right? It's like the very very elite, the likes of Eli or Peyton, they probably are fine. But I think there's a lot of kind of you or know, Andrew Luck maybe. 
or Andrew, look, these guys, they're, they're going to make it no matter what. You could throw them into a shark pool and they'll be fine. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's literally, the, it's a lot of these guys, the other fellows who need, they're, they're coming out of college early so they can get drafted. They don't have the kind of, they, they could be maybe some of the money, like the likes of Mark Sanchez, only starting for one year um, in college. And then they're all of a sudden the face of a franchise um, getting hit all over the place, getting the press all over them. It's it's just kind of um you know as you say there these guys they might say well the sink or swim is fine and it will be fine for the very very elite because they'll make it but you, there's a lot of, there's an awful lot of NFL teams out there who don't have the very elite of of quarterback options for them you know they're uh, as you're saying there it's like the you know every year the search goes on for a lot of these teams the Cleveland Brown, Browns for instance to to find a quarterback um it's not an easy process. But uh, as you said, I think that Peyton Manning's and Eli's of this world, they, they will be fine with, um, you know, being thrown in at the deep end and sink or swim. But uh, I think the, a lot of these other guys aren't. They're not, they're not able to sit. They're not able to manage it. They're just not. They don't have the yeah. experience. They don't have the talent. You mentioned there as well when Aaron Rodgers came in sitting and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, for all people want to talk about him now, being the best quarterback in the game. When he came out of college, he was extremely raw. And if he hadn't sat them three years you know, we're in the same situation, I would say, as a lot of these quarterbacks. If you look at when E.J. Manuel came out, when you look at Geno Smith when he came out, both them uh, extremely raw talents and really weren't ready to start in the NFL. So, again, as you mentioned, getting thrown in at the deep end, it's a, it's a situation from the start. But, but before we turn this into the, the Geno Smith and E.J. Manuel podcast, <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, go to another quarterback. And the Packers played against... Uh, We've done well not to talk with the Packers really too much up until this point as well, but the Packers played the Eagles in the last preseason game, lost that game to them. Started off with a, you know, there was a lot of worry because Randall Cobb started off, uh, caught the ball, but landed on his shoulder, going out of bounds. Defender landed on top of him. It looks like a sprained AC joint for him. Uh, luckily, it's not a, a fractured collarbone, so not too much time expected to be missed. And uh, all word coming out this evening from reports stateside seemed to be that he's going to be okay to face off against the Chicago Bears in week one and in that game he'll probably be facing Charles Tillman because he's still on the roster for <laughs> for the Chicago Bears but seeing that uh, injury to Cobb I'm sure it actually there was more contact in that than the Nelson one but uh, my heart was in my mouth for uh, quite a considerable amount of time after it oh I, I nearly had a heart attack it was because uh, with the Nelson news the Nelson news um, I um, it, it knocked me for six I was uh as I was saying on Twitter, I was uh, I literally turned. I went. I made a noise like I was in physical pain, and my wife, <laughs> my wife, roared, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" Thinking I was having a heart attack, and uh, and I just went, "Jordy, um, ACL." And uh, let's let's just say she she looked at me with um she she looked at me like I'm an, like I'm some sort of an idiot. <laughs> but, uh, but you, I know the feeling. As we understand, because it's like a. Jordy is such an important part of um, of our game. Of the, he, he's such a reliable. I mean, third down, you just you know the buzz and the defense knows, but the ball still gets to Jordy. Um, and we we as much as we have, we pride ourselves for a long time on having such a quality um, wide receiver core. But no team can no team can just um, absorb the loss of a player like Nelson um, that easily. Um, then when Cobb the Cobb injury, I was I just I, I was I nearly switched everything off with just um, disbelief. I thought this can't be happening, and I, I immediately was going to send an email to the NFL and request that they they stop playing preseason games. But, <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's it was it was one of our it was looked like it was going to be one of our nightmares, Colin. But um, thankfully, it looks like hopefully he's going to be okay. 
but and um, we really need him to uh to to carry the load for for our team this year because uh and the likes of Devonta Adams and Aberderis or Janice and these guys they 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 might they might be able to step up and hopefully they will but um but Randall Cobb will be he'll be the go to guy this year for um for Aaron. Yeah, and I think the rest, as you mentioned there, you mentioned some of the names, Ty Montgomery as well there. He had a nice catch yeah. against the against the Eagles. But it's going to be kind of a committee for the rest of them to see who steps up. Maybe somebody will emerge. A lot of pressure now in Devontae Adams. There's been a lot of talk of him over the off season. You know, I like him, but I think he, particularly in fantasy football terms, he has been severely overhyped in that scale. And now with the Nelson injury, he's been even further hyped up. So I think there's a, a lot of players there uh, that are talented, and it's just going to be to see who comes along. A lot of the time, that just, you know, injuries can create opportunities too and the next star might uh, come out well that's what we're certainly hoping for and then uh, Micah Hyde had a neck injury seems to be okay though and uh, Brian Balag had an injury we're just getting injury after injury and when I woke up uh, the next day Sunday morning I was just thinking oh my god what is happening here with the Green Bay Packers but fortunately some good news uh, since that and uh, in that game Sam Bradford starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles I was uh, impressed with him again he said uh, some nice throws this preseason. I've seen the stat. I think he was nineteen and two to touchdown to interceptions over the last three preseasons. But then, in the I think it was in the four, first four games that he played, or the last four games he played in the the regular season, he had something like uh, I think it was ten touchdowns to maybe twelve interceptions. Something that wasn't as pleasant as his, his preseason totals. But I, I've been impressed with him. I uh, think he could be good in that offense playing he played that kind of system slightly similar in college and uh, threw a, a nice pass one time for a touchdown to uh, Darren Sproles when he got him matched up against uh, a linebacker as well so I think overall they're impressive but when you're watching the, the Eagles and the Packers really struggled at the start of the game uh, in the first half in particular the speed and the tempo of their offense has been been phenomenal it, I think it's even going to increase a little bit more they have players in it like uh, Jordan Matthews they have Aguilar Two two great running backs and then Sproles as well. So the Sproles as the third choice is uh, you know shows the depth there behind Murray and Matthews in the, in the backfield. I just think overall they're a team that's not been talked about that much. And Chip Kelly was kind of he was getting a lot of criticism the whole off season for trading away uh, McCoy the season before he traded away Deshaun Jackson. He's moved on a lot of pieces and he's he's taken in different players and that as well. But Overall, I think uh, when you look at this Eagles team, I think it's uh, it is severely underrated at the moment. I think they're going to be very hard to beat this season. Yeah, um, I think the Eagles, as you said, they're, they're, he, Chip Kelly took a lot of criticism earlier yeah. on the off season, but uh, um, a lot of that he seemed to, he seems determined to um, turn over the roster to to guys that believe in him and believe in his um, philosophy. Is um, and talent talent doesn't really matter in terms of you know talent is secondary to in terms of what Chip believes to you know to to what they to what they believe in and if they buy into his um to his system, um I know that um there was even the unsavory talk you know of people accusing him of basically of race of racist yeah. um, making decisions based on race which to be honest which it's I found a bit for 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 the sake of you know it's yeah. it, it didn't. Any sense the players are being bought in were the same of the same ethnicity as the players that were being put out. Yeah. It it just seemed to be that he he had kind of he had problems with some players that were on the roster. And exactly. Yeah. Now I know that part of the criticism and part of it that probably is fair is everybody will acknowledge that Chip Kelly is a real innovative, um, um, offensive mind, and you know in terms of as you said, they're the quick tempo. 
Um, he has, he definitely has um, a lot of great ideas. But I guess Chip Kelly, the GM, is is more. It, it, people are more doubting his credentials. Uh, GM. Now I know he's not officially GM, but in terms of turnover the roster, yeah, and so on and so forth. And people were genuine, were and justifiably kind of questioning his um, because in uh, his decisions because in the NFL talent is king. Like I mean, as much as we're talking about work ethic and stuff like that. At the very top, um, the difference between winning and losing a game can be just having that elite um, talent at the right position at the right time, and um, it 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 does it, it does kind of I suppose the main decision it does it does um, it'll all the it'll all run out I suppose and we'll we'll see how things work out because he will live and die by by his decisions this year. The first one I suppose was the the quarterback um, the quarterback move from. Nick Foles swap from Nick Foles to um, to Sam Bradford, yeah. and the it was it seemed very strange at the time because the Eagles are paying they're paying more money, um, you know they're they're basically they had Nick Foles on a cheaper contract, they were taking a quarterback in Bradford who as much as he's the number one overall pick and his doubt has never been in in question. His um his talent has never been in question. They're like to have serious there are serious questions about his um his reliability in terms of his physicality because yeah. he's missed, he's missed so many games since he's been in the league. Um, I guess that you live and die by how how Bradford um how Bradford manages to stay fit. If Bradford stays fit for sixteen games, um the Eagles could be phenomenal. Um, either even if he doesn't, Mark Sanchez is a capable backup. Um, but I think the Eagles could go very far this year. I like Bradford. He's kind of my guy that I'm kind of trying to with home of fantasy football. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do like him as a sleeper, as a sleeper kind of a, a deep kind of quarterback pick for as long as he stays healthy. I think he'll be a, a top quarterback option. But um, but if it, it is all about if he stays healthy, um, he he does seems to have he seems to be kind of I think we, we ex pros sometimes talk about pe- some people being designed being able to sustain the lifestyle of an NFL player and the injuries they take and just some other guys no matter how hard they try no matter what their work ethic no matter everything else their body just isn't built for the battering that they take and. I fear that Sam Bradford just is that guy. I think he's. Um, I think before long we will see Mark Sanchez behind center in in Philly. But if 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 Sam Bradford does stay healthy, I think the Eagles they're definitely playoff um, playoff caliber team, and they could go all the way um, because, as you said, there they have some amount of talent on on offense. And um, and they, they no team will like facing them with that up tempo offense. Yeah, that's for sure. And you mentioned there, you know, obviously Bradford is a, a serious injury history. Missed the last two seasons with two different uh, knee ligament tears. I think they were both ACLs. And when when you have that injury history, it's going to be tough. But you mentioned there, fantasy football wise, if he if he doesn't get injured, that offense is going to put up a lot of points, and the quarterback's obviously going to have a huge part in that. So I think from that perspective, he definitely is the the possibility of being a kind of top eight, top seven range of uh, fantasy football quarterback. But uh, it'll be very bad luck for him to have uh, another ACL tear three years in a row. I think if that happens, he'd probably call it a day. But, um, you know, sometimes players do have these injury histories, like DeMarco Murray, who's in that backfield now. He didn't have as severe of injuries as Bradford, but he did have a lot of injuries as his time in the league progressed. And then last season, you know, pretty much healthy the whole season. He did tire a little bit towards the end, but that's to be expected with the number of carries he had for the Cowboys. But just to finish up now, a little piece of news. I think it's, uh, for me anyway, it's the, the quote of the week that I've and uh, 
Uh, it's probably not fun news for Jacksonville Jaguars fans, but Jagu- Jaguars offensive coordinator Greg Olson has talked about Marquise Lee, and he said he's a bit like an albino tiger. You go to the zoo, you know. Sometimes he'll be out, sometimes he won't be out. Uh, you know, he's kind of he's, he's elusive. He's hard to see. Kind of talking about the the way that if you see uh, Marquise Lee on the training pitch, that he he just looks phenomenal. But he said he's only seen him two or three times this off season. So that's the problem. Marquise Lee came into the the league, you know, an exceptional gifted wide receiver um, came in I think he was the second round pick for the Jaguars last year his rookie year he had a lot of injuries and it's kind of his hamstrings have been bothering him again maybe he's a player like Sam Bradford but just due to the muscular injuries hamstrings and so on that mightn't get a proper chance in the NFL but when he's on the field he's one of them players that looks to have a, a lot of talent but it was an interesting quote from their offensive coordinator yeah. <laughs> calling him an Albert, albino tiger yeah, it's very funny. I mean, um, I know Marquis Lee when he was in college. His um, the it was it was he was widely expected to, before not his not his final year in college. The year yeah. before, he was widely tipped as being one of the literally the the kind of top picks in the next year's draft, and he fell away a lot in the uh, in his final season in college, which is the wrong time for uh, for for a college player. Of course, they want to all peak at their final season so that their draft stock is as high as possible. But um, he. Uh, he, yeah, he, he looks like it's kind of one of them kind of players that you, in a way, you're kind of looking at him in a similar light to Christine Michael, who we were on, but we discussed briefly earlier on with Seattle. <laughs> it kind of flash as you go, this, could this guy be like just like one Phenomenal. of the kind of talents? And you just kind of always leaving leaving you wanting more, and you're kind of always watching, going, is this it now? Is this, and every season you're saying, and I think with Marquise Lee, now, it, it could well it could mean as I said it's he's not in the league long at all and he's um he, you can't write anyone off at this stage but I you can't see him really reaching the kind of heights that you could have hoped for him when he was in when he was in college um he's in the Jaguars they I mean they have Alan Robinson who looks like a great uh, great wide receiver at the he's their number one now at yeah. the moment um and Marquise Lee is kind of battling kind of for the for the reps and for the and for catches and stuff um behind him but um he's one I always keep an eye on um because once you see these kind of fellas flash in college when you see them these wide receivers you really kind of be watch them and see if if they can duplicate it in the in the pros but um I'll, I kind of have him on a few of my dynasty leagues some few of my deep deep ones but um and I'll hold on to him for the time being but I uh I, I don't think I don't think he's going to probably make it to the level of what we would have hoped when he was coming out. Yeah, you mentioned battling for snaps, and you know, in training camp, that's the time you need to be getting the rapport built up with your quarterback. We've seen with Brashid uh, Perryman down in uh, Baltimore hasn't been able to get in the field. So when it comes into the season and he's going to be playing with uh, Joe Flacco, you know, there's going to be a lot of kind of deep passes probably aimed his way, and the timing just mightn't be all that uh, perfect mm-hmm. with them. And Marquise Lee not getting even not even getting on the field to to get an opportunity to get those snaps. So he's behind guys like Alan Hearns and that now down in Jacksonville. And when we're on Jacksonville as well, Julius Thomas likely to miss the first six weeks of the season with a he's, looks like he's going to require uh, surgery on his hand for for that hand injury that he got a few weeks back they thought they could go without surgery but looks now like he's going to miss a couple of weeks so uh, you know another tough blow for them there taking him in in, in free agency and he's a player as well with this long injury history hasn't played a whole uh, season as of yet in his NFL career but we've uh, we've talked I don't think the Broncos sorry to interrupt there because I don't think the Broncos I know that was part of the reason I think that the Broncos they didn't really um, go into too much discussion with Julius Thomas in terms of trying to re-sign him yeah, long-term health, I think. 
Yeah, they, 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 he had such problems when he came in. He's, he's raw and he had such an exceptional, um, an exceptional breakout season. But, he, but the, the long-term injury worries with him with the player that size is kind of, um, they, they, I don't think they really believed that he was going to be worth the money that, um, that they'd have to pay him to keep him, to retain him. Um, I'd hope for the sake of Jag fans because I do kind of have a bit of a soft spot for, for the Jaguars. And the, um, I think everyone and, does at this stage. Yeah, yeah, you kind of you kind of hope that they kind of um, they'll pull things together. Um, I was kind of sorry when I when I heard the news about Julius, but um, because unfortunately these kind of things can drag on a bit then into the season, and you're kind of then he comes back and he might take a couple of weeks to kind of get up to speed, and um, before you know it, half the season is gone, and uh, you know it was it's kind of a bit of a kick in the teeth after their Dante Fowler news as well. You know, in the with the first snap of practice. Um, it just it just seems like the the Jags the Jags seem jinxed, unfortunately. Yeah, it definitely does, and you know it seems to be that way around the NFL. A lot of people say that the the good teams make their own luck, but I guess uh, the Packers haven't had their luck yet with uh, Nelson getting hurt. But you know, teams like the Jaguars have had complain too much. Yeah, teams like the Jaguars have a lot more to complain about. Teams like the Browns as well. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you like to, I would like to see some of them teams getting a nice little run, get themselves a few wins during the season. And but, then look- in the Super Bowl then of course <laughs> I'll just leave it on a, a sour note for all the other fans but hopefully the Packers can overcome the, the Nelson injury we can talk later in the season again Donica about uh, hopefully getting a, a run in the playoffs and of course we'll be promoting FanFeud uh, throughout the season and uh, FanFeud.co.uk the site to go to you can sign up now get yourself logged in you can play in the, the soccer games uh, you know with them and then of course we'll be starting up in nine days as I mentioned hopefully uh, the first game it certainly looks to be that uh, Patriots game against the Steelers but stay tuned to obviously at Overtime Ireland on Twitter and at Fan Feud as well for all the latest information on that it's been a lot of fun Donica talking to you hopefully we will as I mentioned do it again during the season it's been interesting we've covered a lot of topics you you kept me straight and narrow on which Bears cornerback uh, got released as well but uh, overall hopefully the the listeners enjoyed this one as I mentioned always you can uh, subscribe to us if it's your first time listening on uh, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever it is and of course, I keep saying it every show hopefully you have at this stage, keep uh, keep plugging it and eventually you'll do it, uh, give us a, a comment or uh, a written on iTunes as well please, helps up the rankings here for Overtime Ireland but until I'm back later in the week with another show uh, I'll, I'll be signing off here and uh, as well as myself Colin, joined uh, by Donica Brennan, thanks Donica for coming on the show Thanks for being Tom. Thanks for having me. And until I'm back with the next show later in the week, uh, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.